Being able to build a relationship with a student is obviously super important in our jobs, particularly when the student is really hard to develop a relationship with. Those are usually the students who display the most challenging behaviors, which is why it's this really double-edged sword for us, because you then need to address more of their challenging behaviors. And every time you have to address a behavior, it then has the potential to be detrimental to the relationship that you're trying so hard to develop to move forward with that student. So it can really feel like one step forward and three steps back with you need to harp on at them every lesson or when you see them in the hallway. But I do say potentially because it doesn't have to be like that. There are ways that we can manage their behaviours that do strike a very delicate balance. And we need to be able to do that with all of our students, obviously, and balance that out. But particularly, we need to do it to be able to progress with our most hard to reach and hard to teach students. And that, my friends, is what this episode is all about. Welcome to the Unteachables podcast. I'm your host, Claire, and I am absolutely no stranger to the challenges and let's face it, sometimes carnage of being a teacher. And if you found yourself here listening with me, I'd say that you might know a bit about that as well, because being a teacher is friggin' hard. And this podcast is dedicated to making you feel a hell of a lot less alone whilst giving you the knowledge, support and strategies that you need to not just survive the chaos of being a teacher, but truly thrive. Think about it as getting a weekly dose of relatable, actionable, and most importantly, enjoyable professional learning straight into your ears. So hit the subscribe button, download me for your commute, and let's get into it. Hello, teachers. We are deep, deep into November now. I always feel like when I start a podcast, I sound really creepy. Hello, teachers. I just never know how to start a podcast. It's always so awkward when it's like this one-way conversation. So I just want to say if you've reached out on Instagram and spoken to me in the last couple of weeks, and I've had a fair few of you doing that, and it feels like it's more of a conversation saying that you enjoy the podcast or just saying something about the podcast or saying what you tried from the podcast. I really, really appreciate that kind of back and forth because it can feel so weird just saying hello to people that don't exist at the moment. Like you're going to be listening to this later. Anyway, I hope you're all adjusting to the short, colder and darker days, depending on where you are in the world. I know that being in a meeting at four when it's already pitch black outside is the absolute pits, well, depending on where you are in the world anyway. So just keep pushing forwards. And I'm thinking about you. Obviously, I've done that for many, 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 many years. And now's my time on that leave to not have to go out into the dark anymore. So I'm really happy about that. But I am thinking about all of you. This episode today is one that's probably quite beneficial this time of year because everyone's getting tired, we're feeling a bit more at the end of our tether and the behaviours just feel just harder to manage at this time of year for some reason. I think it's because, you know, the kids are tired as well, we're tired, that honeymoon period's worn off from the September start if you're in our part of the world Um, and obviously if, if you're in the southern hemisphere this time of year is hard just because you're at the end of the academic year and everyone's exhausted and you're just counting down to that summer break. So I'm not, (laughs) I'm not discounting that either. I think November and December are just hard no matter where you are in the world. Um, So yeah, I think this is going to be really beneficial for wherever you are and whatever situation you're in. And yeah, so let's just get into it. We do know that fostering and maintaining and establishing relationships with our students is super important, right? But we also know that we need to hold them accountable. We need to establish boundaries. We need to hold those expectations really strongly with them. And we need to consistently address these behaviors as they pop up. Sometimes those two things can be in conflict with each other because 
we try to, you know, establish this nice relationship, but then at the same time we're having to like be the bad guy. We're having to, you know, be a little bit cruel to be kind sometimes. So this episode is kind of all about the way that we do it and how we really need to be conscious of the way that we are with our young people when they're displaying challenging behaviours because it can detract from our main goal, which is making a relationship that we can really use to then help them move forward and help their behaviours move forward and help them learn ultimately. So this episode, I'm going to be talking about a concept called the emotional piggy bank. And I don't know, some of you probably have heard of this before. It's quite popular. Um, It's been used in a variety of different contexts. I'm going to be exploring what it means to make investments and withdrawals into a student's emotional piggy bank and why that's super important for us to know. And just giving you a rundown of behavior management that connects and disconnects and yeah, how to really use that to our advantage while not detrimenting the relationship that we're trying to build. Um, So the emotional piggy bank, I remember when I first learned this concept, it was actually at a professional learning session at my first ever school, and it was run by some of the teachers there. When I say that I am lucky to have started at this school, I really mean it like we had the most amazing quality of professional learning at that school. I think that we're always kind of not not in competition, but I feel like every time you were asked to, and that's what I loved about it, like the teachers were the ones that ran the PL, the people who were on little teams. they were the ones that were teaching each other. Like it was just beautiful because everyone was harnessing their own kind of strengths and qualities to be able to teach each other these things. But anyway, so the team that ran this PL, it was awesome. They represented the concept of the emotional piggy bank with these huge stick on coins that they were putting on and taking off as they were reading out this these scenarios on it, like, and they were pretending each other were the students. And it was just brilliant. And for me to remember something that long ago means something too, because I just absolutely struggle with my memory. So the emotional piggy bank, I'm going to try to explain it to you in the best way that I can, even though I don't have props, I don't have anything exciting, but I want you to think of every single positive interaction you have with a student as a deposit. And every, I don't want to say negative because it's not always negative, but challenging interaction or one where you have to request something or demand something from a student as a withdrawal. This is an emotional piggy bank and everyone has one. And I believe this concept was first developed by Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, But it's since been used and adapted in so many contexts and concepts. And I just love particularly how it can be applied to the space of education and developing relationships with our young people because it's all about connections with people. It's all about our relationships with people. It's all about fostering those and in, and not getting complacent and, and investing in those. Um, it's also a great way to think about our own mental health and, and like kind of check in with ourselves and get like considering whether or not we're depositing and withdrawing from ourselves enough, which I really like too. So maybe I'll just start there by kind of talking about ourselves because it's nice to hear the concept personalised first. Um, So think about your own emotional piggy bank and whether or not you're running on zero. Is your account in debit? Are you in arrears? I don't know if this is the right terminology for the money analogy anyway. So (laughs) if I've made a mistake there, then I'm sorry. Um, But in simpler terms, give yourself a shake. How many coins are going to be in there and what do those coins represent? Think about each coin as like a, a deposit of something positive. So maybe it was a dinner with your friend. That's one coin. Maybe another coin is a relaxing bath you had. Um, another coin could be a time, some time on the lounge watching telly and chilling, choosing not to work on the weekend. So if you give yourself a shake, 
how many coins you have inside of you, how many times have you been able to kind of invest in yourself. If you can remember doing a bunch of nice things, but you give yourself a good old shake and you're not jingling from a bunch of coin deposits to represent that, have a think, why is that? What has been withdrawing from you? Have you been giving too much of work at work without any balance? Have you been taking care of somebody else at the expense of yourself? Only you know your particular set of circumstances, but there could be a variety of reasons why all of those deposits have disappeared and, you know, someone's been withdrawing from you, you've been withdrawing in some way, so you don't have anything left, you're on zero. And that's how the emotional piggy bank concept works. So if you're feeling like you haven't got a lot left in you, Think about some deposits that you could make for yourself. Um, maybe you could get some from your family, your friends, your partner. I feel like the last few months I was walking around quite low in my balance. I feel like I was giving a lot of my time and energy and I, I really didn't have a balance. I was working on the unteachables and working full time for nearly two years and it was just incredibly taxing. Um, you know, it was, it was working two full-time jobs and I wasn't able to do the things like the amount of times I wanted to go to a social event. I had to say no. The amount of times my partner wanted to go out for dinner. I had to say no. Um, you know, oh, let's go here on a Sunday. No, I can't. I've got to do X, Y, and Zs. But as you know, I've just moved into mat leave before Bub's born. So I have all of this time, all of a sudden to focus on one thing. And that means instead of recording this episode on a Sunday evening, like I usually would when I should be having downtime with my partner, this is a Friday during working hours, which is just amazing. Like I feel like I've got a bit of balance back and I can actually deposit into myself. I know this weekend I'll be depositing because I'll be able to clean and rest and hang out and watch TV and go for lunch, whatever it is, it gives me plenty of those deposits back. Um, and Mind you, work also gives me deposits because I love what I do, but it was just that lack of balance that was taking its toll. So have a think about your own emotional piggy bank, check in with yourself, um, what to do if you're running at a loss, like actually consider what you can do about this, because if you're running on empty, you've just got nothing left to give and you're giving and giving and giving it. It's not going to be of the best quality. It's not going to be, you're not going to be at your best. So it's a really good concept to be using. So that's when the emotional piggy bank is applied to ourselves. Now let's think about this concept with our students. Um, remember too that this is a great one with any relationship we have. So, you know, when I thought about how much I'm investing in the relationship I have with my partner right now, I'm able to consider how I've been fostering that relationship, um, you know, which I might be neglecting a little bit because of work and a bunch of other things as I mentioned before but you can use it in that way too. So have a think about the relationships you have with the people around you. Um, are you investing in them enough or are you taking a lot? Are you withdrawing constantly and not actually giving anything back and think about the relationships people have with you? Are you just getting withdrawn from constantly with nobody giving you anything back? So it's really helpful in thinking about those kinds of things as well and just getting a little bit curious about the relationships that we have in our lives. Anyway, back to teaching stuff. Um, just say you've got a student there and they might be a student that displays really challenging behaviors and you've got no money in the bank with them. There have been no deposits. There maybe haven't been any opportunities for you to deposit into their bank account, which happens very often with teachers. And then you come along and try to make yet another withdrawal by saying you need to go to class. What do you think that student's going to do? That student might be like, um, no, who the hell are you? Why would I care about what you have to say? Why the hell would I follow your instructions and go back to class? I don't know you. You don't care about me. Maybe not all students would be like this. A lot, a, like the majority of students, I'm sure, would go, oh, okay, miss, 
or so back to class. But definitely the students who would be the most likely to display those challenging behaviours would be like that. And it's just like an ATM. If, if you tried to get out a few thousand pounds from your bank account and you only had a couple of quid in there and you hadn't deposited enough, there's nothing in there. It's going to tell you to go away. So the goal with our young people is to make sure that they have enough deposits in there So when we need to withdraw for those rainy days, they've got enough in there for us to withdraw without it harming the relationship by still maintaining that relationship. The rule of thumb is that for every one withdrawal, which is every negative or demanding interaction that we have, it needs to be counterbalanced with five deposits to maintain that positive relationship and to not put strain on it. And that sounds like a hell of a lot, but the way that we approach behaviour actually determines the way in which we withdraw. So sometimes withdrawing has this big impact on our students and if we do it in in the right way, it can actually have less of an impact. Deposits can be anything from validating them. We can recognise their efforts. We can show them empathy. We can welcome them into class. Um, We can go catch up with them outside of class, maybe have lunch with them, help them with their work and give them praise words of affirmation, smile at them, give them like really subtle little non-verbals in the classroom, like a thumbs up or, you know, mouth good work to them. And you can do that in whatever way works. You can drop a post note on their desk. Just think as well, making a phone call home to a parent or carer, think about like the most challenging student that is in your class or that you teach or that's in your school, right? How many times do you think that they get a deposit every single day? How many times has a phone call been made to their parent or carer saying, you know what, I see potential here, or they did something today that was worthy of giving you a call and saying something nice? I would guarantee that a lot of these students are walking around completely empty, which is a huge issue because we're demanding constantly from them, but we're not investing. So it's this vicious, vicious cycle that we've got ourselves into. So withdrawal is anytime you need to make a demand, give a consequence, address a challenging behavior. But as I said before, the way you do this can ultimately require less deposits um, to withdraw from. So you've got to be savvy about it. You've got to be conscious of how you're making these withdrawals. You've got to be, you know, really thinking about this because there is a way of connecting and there's a way of disconnecting when it comes to behavior management. If you're using behavior management strategies to disconnect, it's going to tarnish the relationship even more. It's going to require you to withdraw more of those um, really nice deposits that you've made. So it's like going into a bank and stealing a wad of cash if you're doing something that's going to be disconnecting. You don't want that. You want it to be a nice, easy, amicable transaction. And choosing classroom management stuff with that student that is connecting with them is a more gentle, easy, amicable transaction rather than just stealing a wad of cash from them um, with their emotional piggy bank. So the types of behavior management strategies that is like stealing a wad of cash are all of the disconnecting ones that are based around shame. So if you're calling a student out publicly, if you're yelling at them, if you're criticizing them, if you're nagging at them, it's when you use consequences that don't aim to restore and resolve the behavior. So if you're taking away their break time, but you're actually not intending to work with them on a plan. So if you need to take their break time away from them, you need to make sure it's a productive restorative time. We need to make sure that we're using strategies that are less likely to escalate, less likely to be detrimental to our efforts to build that relationship. So the things that will support connection rather than disconnection when we're addressing their behaviors is things like doing it privately, 
always approaching them calmly, validating how they feel. So you always hear that um, connection before correction saying that's very true. So before asking anything of them, actually say, how are you going? Uh, providing them with some choices. So the best way that I can explain that at the moment is if you're in class and they're on their phone, for instance, if you go and sit next, like kind of crouch next to them, instead of saying, give me your phone right now, or get off your phone right now and waiting there for them to put that away, you can say, hey, what's going on? Are you okay for starters? Because something could have happened. Someone could have died. Like that's why they're on their phone. Um, that's less likely to happen, but you know, like just making sure we're checking in first because that can happen or something else can happen. That's really, really important to them, but might not seem important to us. So crouching down next to them, are you okay? You know, you can't be on your phone. You're not using that appropriately. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to ask you to put that away. I'm going to walk away and keep going with the lesson. You've got two choices. You put that away and that's fine. We're all good. If you don't put it away, I'm going to know that you can't use that appropriately. And in the morning, you're going to have to hand it to me. I'm going to have to make a phone call home. I'm going to let them know that you couldn't use your phone appropriately. And you're going to have to hand that into me tomorrow. You've got that choice, but I'll be watching, but I'm going to walk away now and keep going with the lesson. So you're providing them with choices, but you're still holding those expectations and those boundaries, but you're not sitting there standing over them, um, you know, demanding something and being really, you know, confrontational with them. So that's a much easier way of working with them, especially with students who have oppositional defiance disorder. Giving them choices is really, really crucial in us working with them and us, you know, getting them to shift those behaviors. Um, If you explain to them why you need to address their behavior and teach them how to do things differently, that's a connecting strategy rather than a disconnecting strategy. Remind them of the expectations that if you had a part in, if you created those together at the start of the um, school year, always remind them of those expectations that they had a part in creating. Make sure you're giving them consequences that make sense to them. So don't give them things that aren't logical and fair to them. So if they've ripped up their page, get them to glue it back together. If they've trashed the room, get them to clean it up. If they're you know, throwing something at someone, you work to do the restorative work to make sure that they understand why that was wrong. So always making sure that the consequences you're giving them make sense to them. I know what you're thinking though, that some students display so many challenging behaviors that you'll never be able to follow the five to one rule because you're always depositing every second and there isn't enough for you to deposit about. Some of you are probably thinking that you know, I just don't have anything. I don't know what to deposit. They're not doing anything positive. They're not even showing up. Um, We do need to make sure we're addressing the behaviors for these students, obviously, but some can be so disconnected and so dysregulated that it makes it so hard for us to even start a journey where we're connecting with them. So that's why I always talk about doing something called catching the positive, which is any micro moment of positivity you can catch, catch it and use it as a deposit make something up if you need to just get creative. It can be anything, but it's all about starting to find little micro things to deposit. And that in itself can create this enormous shift in their behavior. As I said before, like these, are the kids that could be walking around all day, every single day and not have a single deposit from an adult in their lives for years. Like really, like who is the last teacher who deposited into a student who had incredibly challenging behaviors? They're probably walking around having deposits I mean, sorry, withdrawals every day, all day, constantly. So you finding a micro moment, you finding a little thing to catch that's positive could actually be 
the start of something really beautiful in a relationship with that student. So don't underestimate the power of the small things. Another thing is making a simple shift. Like, as I said before, before you address the behavior, but the behavior, connect with them and ask them if they're okay. Um, there's always something more going on there. No student wakes up in the morning saying, I'm happy today and I can't wait to go and make hell in my class. So if we aim to understand and care before addressing things, we're simultaneously depositing and withdrawing, which is a pretty sweet concept because it keeps that balance. So even though it's a withdrawal, still it requires a hell of a lot less from that student than just yelling at them. So it hits that sweet spot. It strikes a balance between fostering and maintaining the relationship and still making sure you're holding those boundaries and expectations And that, my friends, is what it's all about. We need to hold students accountable for their behaviours. I am never the kind of person that says that we can excuse them, but we can explain them and we still need to hold the boundaries and expectations, but we need to place the relationship and making sure that we're maintaining that in the centre of everything. Oh, I just spoke a lot, didn't I? <laughs> I really need to get more guests on this show. Um, before, and if you want to, please just reach out. It'd be lovely to have a chat. Um, before I finish up, I just wanted to let you know that this week is the last week to get on board with my upcoming masterclass, Unlocking Your Teaching Superpower, Nonverbal Communication. If you're listening to this in real time, of course, this is happening this Sunday. So you only have a very short amount of time to join before the doors close. Of course, you can watch the replay instead of joining live whenever you want. Um, However, you can't join after this date. The early bird pricing is now done and dusted, but because you're listening to this podcast and it's a little bit of a podcast gift, you can get 20% off the price of enrollment still by using the code POD20 at checkout. But I'm going to post the details to that all in the show notes. I am sure you've already heard me talking about this masterclass, but for those of you who are hearing me ramble on for the first time, This masterclass really is about harnessing your superpower because once you have these nonverbals nailed, it does feel like a superpower. It changes everything in your practice, not just for a week, but forever. Like these are the things that made me the teacher I am today. And even though there's more pieces of the puzzle than that, I would say that this is the most transformational puzzle in my classroom management. So that's why I'm so passionate and so excited about this topic and this work, because I know how much you can bring a teacher back from feeling hopeless and frustrated. And, you know, I just wanted to walk out and quit at some stage because of relentless low-level behaviours. And it stops you from doing what you're going into the profession to do, which is teach. And I know that was me. And these strategies and this approach, you know, is just magic. It's, It's amazing. So I can't wait for that on Sunday. If you're coming on Sunday, I can't wait to see you. If you're able to come live, that is. If you're not able to come live, I guess that's fine as well. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I just I can't wait to be able to support you in your teaching journey. So that's it for this week. If you were listening to this podcast today and you had a couple of students in mind and thought, oh, my gosh, that is so James, that is so Eddie, and I can't wait to get in there and do some deposits, please pop into my DMs, please send me an email or anything and just let me know how it went, what tiny choice you made to really start to shift the dynamic with a student whose behaviors are a little bit more challenging. Um, So that's my challenge to you. Just go and try to make some deposits, try to make withdrawals that are gentler and just see how you get on because, yeah, it just seems so simple, but it is something that can really, really change things with a student. It really, really can. Anyway, I think you've heard me ramble on for long enough. Have a lovely week as always, teachers, and I will catch you again, same time, same place. 
Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Unteachables podcast, teacher friends. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, please make sure you head over and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single one. A little review would also mean a lot. And if you're a teacher just wanting to suck the classroom management knowledge and strategies straight out of my brain and pop them into yours, you can join my comprehensive professional development program that'll teach them today at the-unteachables.com. And because you listen to my podcast and you're a little bit more special, you can use the code podcast20 for a special 20% off enrollment. This training, I promise you, is truly transformational. Find the full link to this and other goodies, including a special freebie in the show notes. And finally, if you're wanting to reach out and say hello, please don't be a stranger. You can head over to my Instagram where I hang out the most, the.unteachables, and pop into my DMs. Until next time, teachers.